Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Kevin Kaufman, your host of the Kevin and Fred Next Level Podcast, the podcast where we bring you weekly business tips and tricks, as well as in-depth interviews with leading minds in real estate and entrepreneurship to help you take your business to the next level. NLA Live 2020 is around the corner. NLA Live 2020 will be held in Scottsdale, Arizona at the Talking Stick Resort. It is it a beautiful hotel and casino? And we have an incredible lineup of speakers that we'll be announcing here shortly. You can find out more information and get the very best deal on pricing by visiting nextlevelagents.com and clicking on our events page. We look forward to seeing you there. Again, nextlevelagents.com and click on the event page. Hey guys, what's up? This is Kevin, and I am so excited about this uh, podcast that you're about to listen to with Ryan Gorman. Ryan is the CEO of NRT, um, somebody I've gotten to know over the last few years. Really, really intelligent guy, uh, understands people in real estate and business, mergers and acquisitions, like big business at a high, high level. Um, I think you're going to get a lot out of this interview. I know I went back and listened to it multiple times and have taken notes because Ryan, quite frankly, is full of golden nuggets of information. He's a very unique individual, someone who is very likable and somebody who I think you will appreciate. So sit back, relax, listen to this interview and let us know what you think. Thank you for your time. All right, Next Level Podcast listeners, we're back, and today I am joined by Mr. Ryan Gorman of NRT and uh, the Realogy family. Ryan, how are you doing today? Fabulous. How are you, sir? I am doing so good. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, join us here on the podcast. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. I was looking forward to it. Yeah, so um, it's not often you get the chance to talk with the president and CEO of a major corporation like this, and so I wanted to... uh, take the opportunity first to learn a little bit about you and then talk about some of the cool stuff that you guys are doing there uh, within, within your organization and just real estate in general, if that's okay. Sure. Anywhere you want to go. Well, cool. So why don't we do this? Tell us, how did you end up in the real estate uh, industry? So I know you've been with Realogy for quite some time, but how did you find yourself there? What did you do prior to? Sure. Uh, well, I used to be a, a deal guy, for lack of a better term, sort of mergers and acquisitions guy. So Long ago and far away, I started off as a technology investment banker out in Silicon Valley, uh, merging companies together and taking companies public. Uh, then I went to New York and did some fixed income trading for a while and then did some uh, mergers and acquisitions and diligence work for private equity firms. But back in late 2004, so it's been quite a while, I joined a company at the time with Sendance Settlement Services Group. So I'd been living on both coasts and everywhere in between and my wife we'd been together forever, high school sweethearts. Um, and she had said, you know, kind of like to live with you at some point in time, because I was on the road constantly flying literally every single day. And uh, I landed in, in a town outside of Philadelphia, our family's from Philly area. And uh, we decided we could live anywhere because all I had to do was get to an airport, uh, then we might as well live near family. We did that. And it turned out the company across the street from my house was advertising for mergers and acquisitions role. And uh, they did something called title insurance, which I was unfamiliar with what that was, but I figured it sounded mildly interesting and I could walk to work. So why not, uh, why not apply? So I did that, uh, went over, unfortunately, so I was on the road all the time. I told them that, uh, Hey, I, you know, I, I saw the posting sounds interesting. Love to check it out. But, um, you know, I'm not really around very often. They said, well, what time do you go to the airport? I was like, 
my flight's usually around like 7 a.m. They said, all right, well, come and interview around 5 a.m. if that works for you, uh, which was kind of nuts, but um, I took them up on it, and uh, they did. They showed up early risers to interview me, and uh, I love what I heard. I mean, it just seemed like a great group, just like good human beings who were trying to do some pretty cool stuff. They had not gotten to a lot of the math that they wanted to get to. Turned out they were the title company that was attached to what I would later learn as NRT, the largest brokerage in the country. Um, and they weren't covering all of NRT, and they really wanted to. So they needed someone to help them buy title organizations, fill in the blanks, and uh, grow that out, and then buy a title insurance underwriter, et cetera. Uh, so long story short, I joined there, and then uh, a long, windy road. Uh, I, I did that for a couple of years, and then came up here and helped out with the real estate division for a while, doing some strategy stuff for the board. and. Uh, eventually ended up uh, helping out Bruce Ziff, the immediate prior CEO of, of NRT, a fantastic person who's now helping us grow our mortgage operation quite a bit. Um, anyway, I love that guy. Uh, he's, he's awesome. Uh, he's just a super, super good human being. Anyone ever meets him, you know, comes away thinking that. And he had some stuff that he needed some help with. And he asked me to come over and help him. That was, I don't know, maybe like 2012 or so. Uh, and I've been over with NRT ever since. Wow. Okay. And so now you are the president and CEO and um, you guys have made a lot of changes. And obviously, as you mentioned, biggest real estate brokerage on the, in the not just in the country, on the planet. Um, and you guys, that's a dynamic because one of the interesting things that I found about your story, just both from the few times we've met professionally and, per and spent time together personally and talked and just from watching your career too is, you, you've got this skill set of bringing these different companies and organizations together and then helping them to sort of become this one new one, bigger one, better one, you know, new, new version of itself, if you will. And that's quite a skill that I think is, um, that's hard. It's got to be hard to do. I've never done that, you know, at the, any near, near any sort of scale like you have. Um, so I got to imagine that has its own challenges. What, let me ask you this. So when you move from that kind of Silicon Valley world and this major acquisition world that you were doing prior to and then then you kind of bring that into real estate what were some of the biggest differences you either saw or maybe they were I don't know maybe they were similar but I gotta imagine you start bringing real estate companies and title companies and insurance companies into the mix there's there's different types um, of behaviors and peoples and just the type of people that are attracted to this industry were there some like really major challenges that you kind of had to learn and adjust from early on yeah it's a it's a different world I mean real estate <laughs> Everyone uh, fancies their industry or what they do to be pretty different than the rest of the world. But having been around the block, I can tell you this actually is different. It is just, it's just a different sort of thing. I mean, I think it comes from the, you know, it starts with the actual service that we're providing, right? So an agent helping in a, a, a consumer buy or sell a house, I mean, it's a deeply personal thing they're assisting them with. It may be a highly emotional thing. Um, you know, they're they're working odd hours because they're working around the working life of the consumer they're choosing. So they're really, they're in their lives. They're in their living rooms. They're standing there watching, you know, spouses fight over, you know, which house to buy or whether or not to sell They're you know, they're marriage counselors and uh, babysitters sometimes. I mean, it's this, it's a consummate professional who is there to advise on a real estate transaction, high stakes transaction, but they're also intertwined in the personal lives of their of their clients, right? So you start from that base and then, you know, who's attracted to that kind of work? Like what crazy people are attracted to that kind of work? I mean, those of us who are, are sort of of an ilk, right? So those of us who love that, who love, you know, sort of, I'll say work-life imbalance, I guess, sort of a deeply intertwined work and life mode, 
then move into things like managing an office where they're, you know, they're helping those who they used to be, you know, peers of, they're helping them to grow their businesses, helping them grow their careers, helping them, counseling them again to think about what comes next and maybe growing teams or whatnot. It's just this, um, you know, intertwined is probably the best word for it, but uh, there's no separation. It's, you're not making widgets. Uh, this isn't uh, banking. It's not a you know financial services thing. It's not private equity. It's um, it's a, just a deeply personal, emotional thing. And it's a bit of a momentum game too. So, you know, coaches in this business are really trying to keep the positive energy high of of agents and of brokers and of managers. They're trying to unlock people's potential. Everyone's got the same 24 hours in every day. Yet we see some people in our industry seem to do 10 times as much as anyone else because they're. You know, they're rigorous about it. They're time blocking. They're goal planning. They're keeping their positivity high. Like that's just the kind of stuff that isn't true. I, you know, I've done deals with, you know, buying dynamite factories, selling health insurance companies, doing, you know, semiconductor manufacturer plants in Malaysia. Like those are not things where you think as much about culture and momentum and positivity and messaging and uh, relationships and you know as you do in this in this business so it is just fundamentally different and that means culture is huge so when you think about a company like nrt having purchased 500 different companies and brought them together that's 500 different cultures and i often joke that it feels about like 500 different cultures so you know <laughs> you bring all that together and then you try and create something that no one's ever created before which is one company that is able to leverage that scale, able to, you know, run fast in such a large scale, um, you know, a thundering herd, really, you know, the, the, the old Merrill Lynch uh, uh, race. Uh, no one's ever really tried to do that before. And frankly, we didn't even really try and do that before. Uh, so when I stepped into this role a little over a year ago, uh, that's what I tried to do, try to unlock that potential. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting too when you talk about. I didn't realize the number was five hundred. By the way, different you know companies, or uh, I knew it was it was a big number, um, but at a certain point when you so let's say if you're acquiring a different company, I guess this is true probably for all industries. But since we're talking about real estate right now and all the different things that go into there, the different cultures and whatnot, you're you're now buying a company of people that are they've actively chosen to not be with your company. Totally. And, and now you're now we're going to integrate them together. And I got to imagine that in and of itself has got to be a whole different skill set. I think, you know, when I, I look at some of the stuff, some of the people in our industry, especially now, you know, things are, are we're getting hit all the time from outside forces, if you will, in our industry. So for someone to come in, like you're just as an example with yourself, with the skill set that you have and the schooling that you have. And then to really start to understand the real estate agent, if you will, and the real estate broker at a high level, that, that plays a big part in it. But gosh, I can't even imagine what that's like to have to pull together these different cultures that were literally actively choosing not to be one. And now they're, now they're going to become one. Yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting point. Not many people put it that way. I've, I've used that phrase before, which is when we acquire a company, we show up, we're standing in front of people who knew we existed, but did not join us, right? And we're sort of saying, welcome to the family, right? So, um, and, you know, somewhat miraculously, it goes really well. Now, we plan really, you know, rigorously for that. We plan the messaging, the communication. We make sure that we've got this moment in time to be able to share our value, to be able to, to sit in a long form way and, and communicate to folks why they, they're actually better off here, why a lot of what they love remains, but we're going to bring more of help them grow. So we have a, you know, it's really well orchestrated, which is why it goes well, but that's exactly what we're doing, right? We're showing up and telling people that, you know, a choice was made for them, uh, oftentimes without really consultation with them, right? So that's a, that's a tough thing to overcome. So you really got to be able to demonstrate your empathy, 
the value that you're immediately bringing to them in their careers and their growth and their families. Um, you got to really have your message down and then you got to deliver, right? Because you can, you can nail a message, but everyone in the free world is coming to them and telling them like, Hey, as long as you're changing your business card, may as well change it to mine. So you got to deliver starting like hour one of day one and then continuing on from there. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no rest for weary, right? I mean, in our business, it's, um, you know, we've got forces in our industry and forces outside of our industry acting on it all the time. So we really got to raise our game. And I remember you told me something once where you said that, you know, you, when you were focused more on REO and, and foreclosure and, and then sort of the business started to shift in such a way that you need to focus more on what I'll call traditional, you know, listing opportunities. You needed to suddenly learn how to do real estate yeah, uh, because you were really, you were focused on something that felt more like, um, you know, not an assembly line, but felt more like, you know, kind of line them up and knock them down, line them up and knock them down. And, and you know, traditional listing is not that, right? It's a different sort of approach and you need to relearn that. That's sort of how I felt last year stepping into this role. Like I felt like I, I understood the business intellectually and I had a lot of experience around the business. My wife reminds me that I've been obsessed with real estate since I was a kid. And we, like I said, we've been together forever. And she, I used to drag her to open houses when we were like 14, 15 years old, which is absurd. <laughs> Um, but, you know, it was just something that was an obsession of mine that I, I had forgotten about until I came back to it. But that concept um, of having to, like, relearn the business, relearn everything from my perspective, once I was stepping into a different seat at the beginning of last year, um, I tried to do it with a lot of openness, um, you know, a lot of uh, uh, listening, really, um, a lot of empathy, all, you know, to the point where, frankly, my team took me aside at one point in time and said, like, look, we really appreciate you listening, but now you got to lead. So you got to, you got to make decisions. You got to make them fast. We believe in you. We're going to follow you, but go, go, go. Um, and that was, a, it was awesome for them to do that. It's fantastic. Uh, but that was sort of my catharsis, I guess, of, of starting to step into this role. Hopefully I never stopped learning, but you know, I, it was a big learning for me. Yeah. You know, I got to imagine too, I could, I could see, I could see your team doing, having to say that to you because you do tend to uh, my observation of you over the last few years is you gather the facts that you need to do and and you're you are absolutely absolutely an observer um, of what is going on all around you it seem, seemingly at all times uh, but when you make decisions like that for a company a size the size of nrt i mean you obviously like there's a lot of ripples that come from making any singular decision you're going to make right for a company sure. the size of yours how do you do that? Do you just have to go in knowing you're doing the thing that you think is best possible given the information that you have at the time? Or do you really have to go, you know what, what's the people factor? What's the, I'll call it the business factor and where do I find the middle ground? Like, how do you even begin to make those types of decisions? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I do have lots of conversations with lots of people. You know, I, I get a ton of feedback. I get thousand messages a day from all over the place and try and reach back out as much as I can. So it is a lot of absorbing. But then it is, it comes down to deciding. And our business is, is a little different, much more forgiving. There's a lot of ways in which our business is not very forgiving, but there are a lot of ways in which it is very forgiving. If I were running like my old client, for instance, in, in Malaysia, you know, making a decision to drop a billion dollars on a new fabrication plant for a new type of semiconductor, you know, you're either going to be right or wrong. Like you're either going to make the chip that everyone needed or you're not, right? And it's like, it's pretty rough if you don't. In our business, you know, people really want to, they want to believe, you know, they, there are a lot of different approaches, you know, there are a lot of CRMs that are pretty similar, there are a lot of, you know, brands that are somewhat similar, there's, there's a lot of, of coaches that are somewhat similar, and people need to believe deeply that they're in the absolute best place for their career, for them personally and for their family. That belief 
you know, eventually it comes from a place of faith, right? And they've got to have faith that they've, that they've chosen right and that we keep giving them signals every day that, that indicate that we've chosen right. So when we make a really big decision, one, we try and make it really thoughtfully with lots of information. Two, we try to be really thoughtful about how we then communicate it out, right? We start with the why, we share the vision, we get people excited. Now we've gotten much more at, or much better at change management. So getting people together, walking them through from start to finish why we made the choices and what that's going to mean for them in their career, making it personal to them, making them understand exactly sort of what this is really going to do for them. And then they come away with, you know, the old expression, people they remember more how you made them feel than what you said. That's yeah. really true in this business. Now we need to then deliver after the fact, like we promised them a thing would work, it better work. We promised them a new service is going to grow their business and better grow their business. But when we make some of those big decisions, those high risk decisions, if we really focus on making them for the right reasons and communicate in the right way, you know, our people are just, are very understanding and very forgiving and, um, and, and get that sort of like there's going to be bumps in the road along the way, but that we made the, the best decision we possibly could with all the facts in front of us. And if it turns out we were wrong, which by the way, I've been wrong a ton. If it turns out we're wrong, then we've got to demonstrate we listen, learn quickly, pivot quickly, fix errors, that kind of thing. Um, so then, you know, folks stick with us for the next, the next go around, uh, the next opportunity, the next change mission. And make sure, you know, especially in this time where things are changing so quickly, people really have to believe that I can keep my head down and focus on my business. And the partner I've chosen to support that business is going to keep their eyes on the horizon. They're going to keep me moving in the right direction and ready for the future. And once in a while, they're going to have to look up and just reconfirm those facts. Right? Did all the things that have happened recently confirm all of my assumptions about this company? If they did great, head back down, grow the business. If it didn't, keep that head up and look around for a new partner. Right? So we try and just you know, reinforce constantly with everything we do that we're making the decisions for the right reason and then make sure they understand what it's going to do for them. That's fantastic. Let me ask you this. To, I want to switch gears a little bit. So there's a lot, it's mostly going to be real estate agents, brokers, maybe some folks in the mortgage industry and title that are, that listen to this podcast on a, on a daily basis. And we'll hear this interview. Sure. Um, some of those folks have uh, visions of being able to, I don't know if they ever necessarily want to be the CEO of a, of a major corporation like yourself, but they want to move up the ranks, if you will. Maybe they want to look at some type of leadership and with the way things are changing in our industry so much, what are the maybe two or three pieces of advice that you would give to somebody in that situation? Or maybe what are the two or three things that you're looking for as, as you guys as an organization or just you, Ryan Gorman, like to look for in people as you bring them up and bring them along for more leadership sure. in the future? Sure. That's a good question. Um, I will have to reference my wife again where she tells me that I need to keep in mind that I am weird and I can't use myself as an example for anything. Um, so we'll take it with a little bit of grain of salt, but the answer to both questions is somewhat the same. The, what, I, what I've always said is that I look for people who care more about doing their job than keeping their job and who care more about accomplishing the mission, you know, growing those around them than they do about their own personal success. Easy to say, super hard to do. You're not going to find a lot of people who come into an interview and say like, no, I plan on prioritizing myself over all others. Like no one's going to do that, right? Like everyone shows up and sort of mouths the right words. But you can look at their career and you can especially look at their energy when you're asking about certain things and you can kind of see quickly if they're getting their energy from their own personal success or the success of those around them. And in this business, you got lots of people who are motivated by own personal success and that's great. I'm here to support them. But when it comes to leadership, I'm really looking for people who are motivated by the success of others. For me personally, you know, people who know me well, believe me, people who don't know me well think that I'm full of it when I say this, but 
I'm, I'm not a competitive person. I know my entire leadership team and PR team tells me to stop saying that because our business is incredibly competitive, but it's just not what I get my energy from. You know, I really get my energy from helping people grow and helping them to achieve their goals. And I'm sort of competitive for them. If I know what their goal is, then I'm going to, I'm going to be damn sure they accomplish their goal, right. And, and vanquish any, you know, challenges that, that come before them so they can accomplish their goal. So, um, for me, I'm all about the the collaboration and success of, of those around me. You know, money's not a motivator for me. Personal success not a motivator for me. I've always cared more about doing my job than keeping my job. Uh, I've, I've been fired. I mean, I've, I've gone down down roads that uh, weren't in my own best interest, but I thought it was right. So um, I did it. And it's not the easiest thing to ask other people to do, but that's what it's always been true for, for me. I've always spoken my mind, um, which I'd say like seven times out of 10 is a good idea. Um, but I've I've never been afraid to kind of, you know, the old expression of speak truth to power. Um, I seek those people out. Fortunately, a lot of the leaders with whom I've worked have sought those people out, uh, have looked around the room for the person who was telling them like the emperor has no clothes, you know, um, not the easiest thing to do sometimes with some, some leaders who maybe want you to, but don't send all the right signals that they, that they want you to. Um, I've always been willing to do that. Um, you know, I guess I always refer to myself as just being a little bit of a jerk in that respect. Um, you know, I, I, I hope for a good reason, but um, I never shy away from sort of saying like, I mean, I, I actually don't think that's the, that's the direction that we should go. Or I think that assumption is incorrect. Or I think you're sort of in the ivory tower and don't know what's really going on out here, uh, which for me has been really useful because one, it's, it's just helped me in my own career, but I've sent a lot of signals where other people now believe me. Like, so I, example today, I leave a team meeting with all of our presidents around the country. Our presidents are leading huge organizations. Any one of them would, you know, we have 18 presidents, any one of them is leading a company that in and of itself would be a top 10 brokerage in the nation, right? So these are accomplished leaders who know what they're doing. I want to hear from them. I need to hear from them. We did a video call. I explained a certain thing and, you know, we're using the chat function in the, in the video uh, call. And, and uh, one of our, our presidents now leads uh, New England for us, Pauline Bennett. She's a superstar. Um, you know, she typed in, I said, okay, is that clear to everybody? And she types in the little chat. She says, no, I am now more confused than before you started speaking. Uh, so like, that's good. Cause I've obviously sent signals to people that like, I really want to know, I really want the facts. I want to surround myself by leaders who will call me out, who will call all of us out and say, Hey, we're running, you're charging up the wrong hill. We're heading in the wrong direction. Or we're not paying enough attention. to something. So I've tried to be that person, but I've tried to also celebrate those people and, and attract them. So is that, let me ask you, right. Is that natural for you? Or is that something you were consciously aware of and you, you, you decided to learn, uh, slash seek out? No, I think I've always been a jerk. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think um, I've, I've moved a lot. So I moved uh, when I was a kid, I moved every year of my life at least once. And um, that, you know, I think that probably does something to you, which, you know, can, can probably not, it's probably not a good thing. I don't recommend it. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, suggest a lot of people go out there and do it, but um, being the new kid in school, especially like mid year a lot, um, you know, means you either kind of become fearless or you kind of fade into the background. Um, I'm not much of a background player, so um, I, I guess I became fearless along the way. So it's been pretty innate. You know, I've been um, been like that probably since a kid. My, my parents don't remember a time when I was not like that, which they don't always remember fondly, I'll say. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but apparently it's kind of been the way I am. We interrupt this podcast to remind you that the NLA Live 2020 conference is coming up on April 23rd, 24th, and 25th of 2020. It is not too early to register. Visit nextlevelagents.com today and click on the events link for more information and ticketing. So that's interesting, you know, because 
like you talked about, like the emperor is not wearing any clothes. And um, I, sometimes I wonder leaders of all, of all cases, I see it a lot in real estate because obviously it's my profession of choice and where I spend most of my time as a student too. But I, I know it's, I know it's present everywhere. I, I see a lot of leaders, if you will, whether they be CEOs, presidents, et cetera, that either don't want that feedback or they've trained their people in a way that they can't send that message that you just messaged, that you message you got today where it said, no, I, I don't understand what you're saying. Um, is that like a, do you think people do that subconsciously or is that something that they're doing or, or they just, I, I feel like sometimes there's no doubt there's some ego involved. I'm in this position because I know what I'm doing. And so some people do operate that way, but I don't think that's necessarily mostly the case, but I mean, I'm um, curious, I'm curious what your thoughts are on that, uh, are on that. I think you're spot on. I think, I think there are times where it's ego, but I think for most people, it's really, truly not. I mean, I think there's a, a few different forces at play here. And I've had this conversation with my leadership team a lot. One is people's conception of a leader, right? So like, we all know what we know. Like, you know, if you, if you grew up, with a certain kind of baseball coach and you became a baseball coach, like you probably are either exactly like that person or the exact opposite of that person. Like that person, the way they coached influenced you tremendously as to your vision of what a coach is. So if you've had certain leaders who really conveyed that sense of, of assurance, like I've, I've had some leaders with whom I've worked to, who told me that I really needed to, and it's coming from a really good place in their heart told me like, I need to be less open. I need to be, you know, share less about me personally, show less vulnerability because people really want to be led by a strong leader. And so I need to convey strength, right? And it's coming from a really good place. They really were trying to do the right thing for me, but it just wasn't who I am. That's just not, that's not me as a person. And I can't really, I can't really live that way. But it was clear that for them as a leader, a lot of what they were trying to do was convey strength. And if you're trying to convey strength at the same time that you're trying to get feedback it's really hard because you're sending sort of op you know opposing signals you know on the one hand you're saying i i know for sure this is exactly what we need to do now let's all rally to do it and the other you're saying like but do you have any feedback and and you know someone in the audience or or with whom you're working they're, they're trying to read the tea leaves right they're sort of not sure exactly what you really want but the easier path is to just be gung-ho be excited and to and charge the hill uh, the harder path would be to sort of thread that needle, take you seriously that you really want feedback and then try and give you that feedback. So you really ask all those around you to do an unnatural thing, to fight their own human instinct of self-preservation, to put themselves out there and to walk the plank to try to give you the feedback that you say you want, but your body language is saying anything but that, right? So I think it comes down to a lot of people's vision of what it, what a leader is. So let me ask you this, whether it's on let's say my level of leading a team or somebody else who's running a, a bigger, you know, a really big organization. What if they somewhat, you know, I could easily go, you know what, there's definitely been times where I said I wanted feedback and I was trying to show strength and Hey, this is our, you know, this is where we want to go. Here's our marching orders, if you will, for lack of a better word, or here's the direction we're going to go. And so when, so when you put it like that, I could see, okay, there could, I definitely can see the, the mixed messages there. So for someone like me who went, you know what, Maybe I have sent mixed messages, but the feedback is definitely important to me. Is there a way for, for someone like myself or anybody listening to sort of circle back or does, do we have to start from scratch? What does that look like? Yeah, I think there, there's all kinds of techniques. So, I mean, I think it's like, it's like anything else in our business, right? So you want to be successful, you better get familiar with prospecting and time blocking, right? You want to 
you want to demonstrate leadership, you better have some techniques, some, some tools that you use, right? So um, I'll give you a couple of examples. One, uh, Ryan Schneider, Realogy's CEO, he joined, um, I guess, about two, almost two years ago now. Uh, and he came in with a very clear set of tools. He's an absolutely brilliant guy. And one of the tools that he uses is when we have a leadership team meeting, um, he will, especially if it's a new topic, we're trying to actually figure something out, he'll intentionally speak last about the topic. He'll intentionally go around the room and ask everyone for their feedback about the topic before he signals his feelings on it so he doesn't skew the view, you know, so he really tries to get it. Um, and then he'll also intentionally, we call it play red team, um, everyone's got different names for it, but he'll intentionally like nominate people to argue the exact opposite of whatever we've decided. So he's put them in a position where like if you want to impress him, then you better argue really well against the thing that he just said we should do because otherwise it's just lame. Like you've just, you've, you've failed, right? You've been asked to deliver on a specific task, which is to come up with arguments for why we should not do what we just decided. So if you're worth your salt, you're going to step up and deliver a really compelling, you know, retort a really compelling argument against that right so i think he's done a really good job of that i've tried to le leverage that and learn from that and, and pull some of that in we use video calls for everything we do now in part also so we can kind of read uncomfortable body language from people you know folks aren't necessarily on board and they're in the room you can see it if they're not in the room and you have a geographically dispersed organization like we have and like you have you know you got to kind of pick up some some unspoken signals sometimes but i think that's really uh, important as well one technique that um, I've been trying to use a lot more lately is, I'm sure this dates you know, way back before Jeff uh, Bezos at, at Amazon, but he's sort of made it popular, is the, the, the philosophy of disagree and commit. So we, we will debate an issue as a leadership team. We will walk through all the different reasons why, and, and, I, I, and I will try to make, if, I, if the decision is mine, I'll try and make the best decision possible. And then I'll communicate to everyone, like your feedback was tremendously valuable in coming to this conclusion. Thank you so much. Here's the feedback that we heard. Here's what we did with it. Here's why we decided what we decided. But now we've moved past the disagree phase. And by the way, you better have given me your best disagreement during the disagree phase, because that was exactly when I was expecting you to be able to do that and deliver for us. Um, and if you didn't, then you failed. So you better have brought your A game and your red team jersey to those discussions. But now we've decided. So now we're in the commit phase. So now the only thing I want to hear is that that, that decision, we are going to make that the best decision ever. Whatever we decided to do, that hill we charge, it's exactly the right hill. It's exactly what we need to do. Everybody lock arms, have one voice and one spirit as we go and get that done. Now I've added to that. Maybe Bezos has this as well. I don't know. He's obviously doing some brilliant things, but I've <laughs> added something to that philosophy, which is milestones and check-ins. So what I've also promised everyone is we're going to try this thing. We just decided we're going to go run the business this certain way. We're going to do that for the next six months. And during that phase, I want you to be 100% committed. But I'm going to reopen this topic six months from now. Or sometimes it's six weeks or six days from now with how fast we're moving on some things. But six months from now, we're going to reconvene, you know, keep notes of everything along the way, share feedback with me along the way, but make sure you're keeping notes of it as well bring that full payload of feedback for that review period. And then we're going to re-decide during that review period, whether that was the right move or not, based on all the feedback, all the data, everything we've seen and learned, then we're going to make a new decision at that phase. So, you know, taking that kind of approach, learning some of the tools for even just meeting handling, like Ryan Schneider does, but also bring the disagree, disagree and commit phase gives people a, uh, an understanding that it's incumbent and even required from them to disagree and red team something at certain points in time, 
but then there's also a commit phase where they've just got to be all in 100% supportive because what, what was happening before is I would make a decision, I'd communicate a decision, I keep asking for feedback. So I was getting feedback from the team saying, we're not even sure if you believe in the decision because you keep asking us if it was you know, the right decision and if, you, you know, if, if we should be doing something differently. So now that I've sort of phased it for people, that what the, the feedback I've gotten is they're much more sort of emotionally comfortable with the approach because they know what phase they're in and when, and they know when they're just going to charge blindly forward because that's the direction we're going, and they know when I'm asking them to step back and intellectually evaluate the decision. I think there's too, there's a lot of um, comfort or safety in knowing that, hey, if this doesn't work, we're, we're actually going to probably stop doing this and we're going to go a different yep. direction. And so it's it makes it at least subconsciously okay to buy in all the way, even if that wasn't my choice or I didn't want to go that direction. Totally, because I, I don't know if you've done this, but we've certainly done this in the past. We make a decision and then we end up spending a lot of time, you know, sometimes years convincing everyone it was the right decision. Like tool choice is a big one, right? Like we selected a tool, go out there and tell everyone, you know, hey, congrats, hey, congratulations, we're going to give you this tool. Adoption's not really good. So we spend the next like three years trying to convince everyone that it's the best possible tool ever, as opposed to making the decision and then committing to everyone. We're going to, you know, we're going to look back at it in six months. Like, hey, give it a chance because we really want your feedback on this. So please do use it. Do implement it in your business. We want to get all your feedback to make it better or to make a better decision in the future. And here are the phases where we're going to do that. I do that as well with, with uh, agents. We do that. We have a, you know, the studio, our, our, uh, our marketing agency for, for agents and also our, our product team. We have um, at least monthly uh, this thing we call this month in product where we make it publicly available to everybody. We have, you know, almost 47,000 agents. So um, we get a lot of people to participate in almost anything we do. But we'll get 500 to 700 agents who every month tune in and have our product team walk them through a decision that they're going to make. Here's, here's the open question. Here's the data that we've gathered. Here's what we've learned. Here's the feedback we've heard. Here's the leaning we have. What do you all think of it? And also, who wants to raise their hand to test this, this thing that we've now you know, created uh, to beta test it for the next few months so we can make a, a, a final decision? That's sending lots of sort of you know, quiet signals to our agents as well as our team. Yeah, we are totally comfortable reevaluating. We're going to make decisions with confidence and we're going to run fast, but we're totally comfortable reevaluating when things don't go as planned and then pivoting and making a different decision. So like, hang with us, run fast, but also know that we're going to have checkpoints along the way to reevaluate those decisions. Absolutely. You know, two tool choice is an interesting thing. Um, you know, there's a lot of folks in our industry now, right? There's more tools than ever, um, you know, that are coming more, more software tools specifically is what I was getting at. Um, mm -hmm. Although the other use of the word could, could apply there too as well. So, <laughs> you know, but we've got as an agent and probably even as like a brokerage owner or as a, as a franchise owner, whatever, wherever your role is, you've got more choices than ever in the tools and the software that you use uh, today. Um, wh what do you see, like what's going on right now? Is this like, are we figuring out what the next couple of years are going to be like? Because I, there's a lot of folks who feel like, Hey, I've got to go build my own CRM as an example versus, you know what, here's the top four or five that seem to be the, you know, they get the best reviews. I'm going to go with one of those. And then mm -hmm. I'm going to plug in my next feature to it from a, from a different technology and then I'm gonna plug in this other one versus I gotta have this all in one that I, that I have under my own roof. What are your, what are your yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what we're doing and it, you know, it may or may not be applicable, but then I'll, I'll, I'll give my conclusion on it, which is a little bit of 
you know, none of this matters. You got to kind of make some of your own, some of your own decisions. So we're, we're doing what we call uh, an open architecture approach. Uh, so we're, we are building our own tools. We have many of them out there already, but we'll be rolling out uh, some, we'll be announcing some new ones here a little bit later this year and then rolling them out in the following year, a little bit toward the end of this year. Um, and those tools are, are great. They're going to be deeply integrated. They're going to be well supported. Everyone in the office is going to understand how to use them. So they, they should be a good solid choice. But what we're also doing is allowing all the top tools in each category to plug seamlessly into our system, right? So they're sharing data on the back end, they're talking to one another, they're leveraging APIs, you know, application protocols that share information back and forth, just to kind of make it seamless and easy. Like you can take actions within a tool that relate to a different tool, even though one is ours and the other one is a third party's, but they're talking to one another really well. So it's pulling the information you need into our stuff, it's pushing our information into, into their stuff. Uh, you don't really need to think too hard about it, right? It's like using an iPhone, you know, you, you swap out one device for another, everything reloads, you you use a, an app that Apple designed, it's a great experience. You use an app that someone else designed, it's still integrated, it, you know, connects to your contacts, it connects to your camera, it connects to whatever, like it pulls everything together and acts like it's as good as if Apple had built it, right? So that's sort of the direction that we're going, in part because I think it is a lost cause to try and convince everyone to use all your stuff. It's just, it's a, it, it's a, I would not recommend anybody try to do that, even though it seems like everyone is trying to do that, right? So instead, I would like to make a promise that we're going to deliver a great tool for every moment that matters, and our entire suite will be well integrated. So if you choose to use everything, you're going to have a wonderful experience. But if you've already developed your work habits at another company and you've joined our company, we're not going to force you to change everything. We're just going to plug your stuff into our stuff so that it works really, really seamlessly well together. So that's the approach that we've taken. It's a little bit unique. Others are recommending a different approach. I'm sure both can be great, but that's what we're doing. And in part, the reason why I think both can be great is because I think the only thing that matters is whether or not you actually use it. Like the best tool is the one you use regularly. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be at the California Association of Realtors tomorrow. And one of the, they asked me some, you know, share some, some questions and lessons learned. I mean, one of the lessons learned is some of the smartest hardest working and most successful people I know, the tool that they use best is a sharp number two pencil and a blank eight and a half by 11 piece of paper. Um, you couldn't get much more simple than that. And the technology is like 90 years old, uh, but they use it consistently. They keep diligent notes. They time block to be able to give them time and space to be able to craft new solutions to old problems. They follow up on notes that they've made before on hey, we're going to try a thing, but I need to follow up in three months and make sure that it was done. They actually like diligently do that. So for me, they could have access to, you know, Amazon's entire web services organization and they could spend all of their time thinking and messing with, thinking about messing with tools, constantly trying to optimize this or that, having the newest whatever, and they're not going to be more successful than they are today. Now, it's not to knock CRMs and, and tools that can make people's lives easier, but if you think, a tool is going to solve your problem, is going to make you work when you don't want to work, then you're just looking for an external solution to an internal problem. And that just never really goes very well. So for me, it's all about like, provide simplicity, meet people where they are, um, and just try and make sure that, you know, you're, you're matching their passion to the action and, um, and getting, and they're using a tool that works for them. Absolutely. I think that's great. Um, you know, I want to, I've got a question that I, that I, I like to close with, with everybody on, and, and I'm going to ask you that in a moment. Prior to doing that, um, 
is there anything else left that you want to share? Maybe something that we didn't touch on uh, that, that we should have, or whether it's a message for realtors in general or just our industry or, or anything else specific that you want to share before I jump into my last uh, agenda item? Uh, well, now I'm nervous about what question I should have studied for uh, that I don't know. But um, no, I mean, I appreciate you giving the opportunity. I should take it and my team will yell at me that I don't take it to flog everything that we're doing and to try and attract everyone over to, uh, you know, old banker. But that's not what it's about. Uh, for me, I think it's about us being authentic and putting ourselves out there and then people choose, choose their partners, right? So I just want to thank you for what you're doing. You've really taken a very sort of, you know, I'll call it brand agnostic, uh, team agnostic approach with not just this podcast, but just how you've operated, how you personally operated, how you professionally operated, and how you run your partnership. I've told you before, I really, really admire how you two run your, your partnership. And I, I think you're, you're trying to be a student of the game. You're trying to help people. Um, you know, you're coming from a really, really good place, and that comes across. So I applaud that. I think it's awesome. I think people who gravitate to you are probably people who share some of those similar values. And our industry has always thrived because of exactly that, right? Like we're a bunch of, you know, people who for the most part are competitive, you know, some of us excluded, but um, who compete fiercely, but then cooperate on every deal just about for the benefit of their clients. And that's just phenomenal. And I love it. And it's why I'm here. And it's why I love what I do. And, and it's an industry full of entrepreneurs, right? So our agents are entrepreneurs. The our loan officers are entrepreneurs, our, our builders, our maintenance folks, our inspectors are entrepreneurs. I've never, there's no more entrepreneurial business in the world than this. So it requires people who are really like comfortable lifting others up, you know, trying to move, move things forward and move us forward. And so you do that. So I think it's awesome. I think you should keep doing it, but that's, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm talking to you because I think where you're doing rocks and I want to support it. I really, I really appreciate that, Ryan. Thank you very much. My, my last question, well, it shouldn't be, it's not going to throw you off too much. Um, because it's, this is about like this, it's a personal thing. So, um, and I got this from a gentleman by the name of Dave Asprey, who, who does a podcast and, and owns a brand called Bulletproof, but he asked all of his guests at the end, like, you know, Hey, what are your three top three pieces of advice for kind of kicking more butt in life? So someone comes to you, maybe you're in a mentor mentee relationship with them. Maybe it's an, in your case, maybe it's a, maybe it's a broker owner, maybe it's an agent, maybe it's a coworker. But someone just says, hey, Ryan, I, I just want to do better. Like, I want to do better work, life, you name it, uh, personal. What are your top three pieces of advice for, for them kind of kicking more butt in life? Sure. Uh, good question. Uh, I think the number one would be very clearly defining what kicking butt in life means. Uh, so, you know, knowing exactly what your goal is, which it's easy to say hard to do, you know, everyone's kind of got their goal for production this year or whatever it is, but there's bigger goals, right? There's, there's a reason why you care about your production. There's a why underneath that, right? So being super, super clear about what your actual goal is. If you're trying to make, you know, make progress towards something, make good time, you better be really clear on what the destination is, um, which is not something I've always done, you know, particularly well in my life because my goals aren't really long-term. My goals are super short-term. It's about like today. It's about helping someone. It's about the, you know, that's the vibe I get back is like delivering, but that's just me, right? So for a lot of people, their goals are longer term and they want to build toward them, but if they're not really precise on what they are, then it's going to be hard. So I would say be super, super clear. Then second would be now check your calendar and just look at the last like week and see if your calendar matches the priority that you just set, right? Like you just set a goal and, and everything you should do should line up to how you achieve that goal. Now, does your calendar match that? Which if you're like most people, it does not. And, and then you like go into an excuse mode of, yeah, but that's because of this. And like the kids have practice and 
we were on vacation, we did that. Like there's always excuses, but the fact is you need your calendar to match your priorities. Otherwise you're really you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, and I think, you know, I guess the, the third would be um, matches up with, I guess the first in terms of the, the goal, but uh, really trying to be very authentic. I think a lot of, um, a lot of people, you know, they, they kind of want what they're supposed to want. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, just to use a little example, we bought a lot of companies, a lot of the companies we bought are, are broker owners who, you know, were doing really great. They were kicking butt in life as an agent. Um, and they thought like what they're supposed to do next is become a broker. And so they did. Um, and then they found themselves like spending all their time doing what they didn't love as much. Um, and that's just a minor example. My father was a, uh, uh, he was a teacher and then he was a school administrator and, and now he's, he's running a community college. Um, and he's awesome and he's my hero. He's fantastic. But his happiest time was probably being a high school principal. Like he just loved it. I mean, the direct interaction with the kids, he gave him so much energy every single day when he became a superintendent, like I think he was a great superintendent, but he was removed from that, you know? And, but you know, the, he was supposed to want to move up, right? He was supposed to want the next thing. He got offered a thing that he was supposed to want and supposed to accept. And, and I think I recommend to everybody, you know, when you think about your goal, really just think about your authentic self, like what makes you happy? What serves those you love? Um, and it might not be what, what the world has told you you're supposed to want, right? And by the way, if it's not, that could be awesome. Because if you want something that not everybody else wants, it might actually be more achievable. So those are my three, I guess, like be your authentic self, you know, be really clear on your goal and then make sure your calendar matches your priorities. Awesome. Ryan, I really appreciate you taking the time and joining us today. And uh, I, I know everyone who heard this is absolutely enjoying it. And we'll probably go back and listen to you and take some notes because you dropped and shared some really great nuggets with us. So I appreciate it, Ryan. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Love it. Thanks right. for the opportunity. We'll Take talk care. to you again soon. All right. See ya. That's it for today's show. Do me a favor if you enjoy this. Go over to iTunes or wherever you're listening at. Leave us a review. Share this episode with your friends. And for more great content, check us out in our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash next level agents. That's facebook.com forward slash groups next level agents. See you soon.